welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org. Well, it is a real privilege to have Adrian and Karim with us. Just uh, at least the Open Doors Church in Kettering. I first really got started to get to know Adrian probably about three, three or four years ago when we met and we kind of just discussing their building project that they were going through and kind of the stages and things they'd gone through. And then this uh, last year at Catalyst Festival, I'm stood at the back of the prophetic tent trying to keep out of things, waiting to meet somebody else. And Adrian stands up and kind of does this to me from the back and completely ambushes me. And uh, just God spoke and it was just wonderful. And I thought, wow, I need to get this man up here. And so here he is. So let's receive Adrian and Karina. Just free reign to do whatever they want to do now for the next hour or so. So let's just receive him. Thanks, Phil. Bless you. Thank you. Great. Morning. Are you all right? I'm a southerner. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so I'm originally actually from Essex. So you're thinking, oh, that doesn't sound like a Northamptonshire accent. Um, I'm from Essex. Anyway, um, maybe enough said about that. <laughs> I don't know. But all our kids are from Essex. Corinne, uh, Corinne come, and, come and say hello as well. So Corinne's from Leicestershire, which isn't so far away, is it? Um, so she's going to be doing a little bit later, and uh, we like to just bounce off each other. Are you okay with that? Yes. And uh, we like to just see what God's doing, and um, it's always really exciting at the end. Um, it's always really nerve-wracking at the beginning, because uh, actually, okay, God, what do you want to say? How do you want to lead us? And uh, so I'd love your encouragement, and even if we spectacularly crash and burn, um, as it were, you could say, oh, it was great to have you, and you're just like the best people ever because um, it's good to encourage so we want to step out with courage and uh, we want to be listening to God and I've got something I want to say and we finish about half three um, <laughs> what time do we finish I don't know I didn't know. okay so we've got plenty of time okay so um, if you're wanting an unpacking of a, of a scripture verse um, in a, a scripture passage verse by verse um, we're not going to do that this morning we will uh, look at a story from the Bible. I want to unpack something of the life of Jesus. And so we want to, because we honour God's word above everything else, really, because uh, Jesus is in that. But uh, you know, we want to move around a little bit with um, praying for people and, and see where we go. Okay, so that's like all the disclaimers, um, <laughs> if you like, out of the way. So um, <clears throat> let's have something. So we went to Kettering 13 years ago, just over. We were... Uh, no, you're much nicer to look at. Come and oh, Okay. Um, so we went to Kettering from Bishop Stortford in Essex, Hertfordshire. Uh, we were not looking to move. We weren't planning to move. God just interrupted um, our lives. Uh, literally, just within five months of not thinking about moving or anything, we'd moved. So it was like quite the shock. And we, we, we found ourselves um, a small group, 12, 15 people or so in Kettering, been a church plant adoption thing that had sort of gone a bit pear-shaped um, and they just wanted to be part of New Frontiers. Bless them, which is great. We were part of a New Frontiers church. Um, but God called us, sovereignly called us. I hadn't been taking notes in the years before and so suddenly I found myself with this group, fairly beat up uh, folks looking inwards. Um, <coughs> 
been through a really tough time. But God was faithful. And uh, God was faithful and good. And even though I didn't know what on earth I was doing, he slowly led us to remodel and reshape and, and build. And uh, so I think, wow, Lord, how on earth did you do that? Uh, I, God is so good. Uh, that's my point. Actually, God can use you. Uh, God can use you, whatever you think would disqualify you. Often that's the very thing that God says, that's why I've chose you. So in this leading of the church, as I ended up myself doing very quickly early on, they said, oh, can you lead the group? Can you lead the church? <clears throat> Sorry, I've just had man flu cold this week. and just uh, I'm here now. Though. Anyway, um, and I spent a lot of the first two years thinking, God, why have you chosen me? What do I know about leading a small church? What? I've not done this before. Surely you could have called David Devonish or someone else. Um, why have you called me? And only as I began to realise the fact that he had called me and meant that I was the best person for the job. Because if someone else was better, he would have called them. Because God had met with us and spoken to us and called us in a very dramatic uh, fashion. Okay, God, it wasn't like you made a mistake. For, oh no, Gabriel, wrong one. Actually, God called us. And so if he called me, therefore he, he's capable of making the best choice. And so once I started to realise that, and think, okay, God uses me and you for who we are, it's like eases the pressure off and can begin to be ourselves and not trying to be someone else. And so for a long time I tried to be a pastor teacher and I got in the right mess. And uh, two different people within a couple of weeks came and spoke, prophesied to me and said, Adrian, stop wearing Saul's armour. Stop trying to be a pastor teacher. Because I was trying to put a three-point sermon together. And I was trying to be a Mr. Pastor person. Uh, and, and I love people. Um, but, but somehow I just couldn't do the pastor teacher, or at least the model in my mind. So I started to just be myself. And that was a whole lot easier for me and for my family and, and for the church. And uh, so we've got the church. We bought a nightclub about five years ago. The nightclub went bust. And we were looking for a building for a long time. Gave up looking, started to pray again. Okay, God, what specifically should we? And we pray for the town centre. That right, we want to go there. And I, uh, suddenly, out of the blue, this nightclub had gone bust. Uh, amazing. So t- uh, two floors, four, three bars upstairs, and one bar downstairs. Big. Um, I guess it's about the size of this wider, um, with a stage. Bay City Rollers have played them. Some of you don't know who they are. <laughs> Um, but uh, so they they played there. So it was like uh, the event place in Kettering, and it went bust. And uh, so we put an offer. Another nightclub put an offer. So we got pushed out. Uh, we couldn't get a mortgage because uh, we didn't have any money. And the money we had, we did have, we spent. Um, but in the end, we, we got it. The bank came back and said, "Okay, it was three hundred and fifty. If those of you like figures." 350,000. They said, oh, please take it, 250,000. And we said, no, okay. So we've got it in the end, 210,000, um, which is it's ours. Uh, someone bought it in the church, but then gave it to us. Uh, so it's just like amazing. I just want to tell you those things about me and what God has done, because it seems like God is no respecter of persons. And anything that you think would disqualify, God says, Haha, I like a challenge. I'll, just, I'll do it just to show you, Adrian. And so God has provided a church venue in the middle of town. Uh, that's, that's a great resource. And, and we have no mortgage loan or anything on it. Um, and the electricity bill is 700 quid a month because the nightclub has no window. So everything has to be lit and, uh, and the heating's. Um, 
It needs to be on because it's a big place. But God has provided. Uh, God has provided and God has led me through this journey. So I just want to encourage you. Whatever you feel is a disqualification to what God wants to do. It doesn't stand in his presence. It doesn't hold. He doesn't think, oh no, that's a toughie. What are we going to He says, oh, okay, our purpose. So I want to encourage you. Whatever you feel God wants to do and grow you in. Um, so we want to speak some prophetic encouragement. Karen, do you want to, do you want to come and join me now? Is there a, a, a hand? The other thing would be good to say, actually, if, if you know, there's stuff like this we say, if it doesn't fit, you're, very ha- it's, you're quite welcome to say, it doesn't fit, it, it wasn't really me, thank you very much, nice people, but so wear it lightly, and it's important, some things that might be um, directive or whatever, just bring it before the leadership and weigh it, and think, okay, was that Adrian and Karen, were they on the mic? Or maybe it wasn't quite. So it's really important to chew it and weigh it and share it amongst people that are um, caring for you. Sorry. Just, okay. Right. So a couple of different things. I just felt for, um, yeah, Holy Spirit, what order do you want to do this? Mm. I felt like, I'm turn it off for a minute and come back in a little bit. I felt like God's pleasure on you, over you as, as church in the peak. Isn't that good to know? God's pleasure on you. I think there's much joy in heaven over the church. Much joy in heaven over you. There's much joy in heaven. I could hear songs being sung in heaven about you. I, I, I could hear they were being sung of your battles and of your courage and your, your victories. They resound. They're not just your They're heaven's victories. And heaven sings with you. I think there's some, so much that God does up and we can't, we can't see. But he sings. You know, he sings over you. And if you read that passage in Zephaniah, he sings over you. It's, the verse before is all about being a warrior. It's not, uh, sometimes we think, oh, it's, it's sort of Father Goo Goo songs he sings over, like a, you know, over a nursing um, father or mother. Actually, they're songs of a warrior. Um, you have a look in Zephaniah. But he's, sing, he's singing of your courage and your victories. And uh, I, I feel like God says, you have written adventure stories as a church. And it's time to dig some of those out and retell them, because you've got an, a bigger, you've got a bigger adventure uh, coming. Prophetic people always talk about what's coming. Um, there's a sense of a page being turned, a chapter, a new chapter being opened. But part of it is to revisit some of the highlights of the, the chapters before. This, um, I, I see that there's something coming out of um, almost like it's buried underground, but something coming out the ground that's like gold. You imagine gold, under, you find it underground, and you go, wow, look at what God, is, uh, God has hidden. Uh, something coming out of, of hiding, something being built out of what, what's not there at the minute. So I think actually God has got something bigger. There's something um, in, of enlargement uh, for you, um, for church in the peak. I see like the church is built of strong stone. There's lots of stone um, around here. Uh, large pillars and, and, and lintel and the rest. But I see like actually God wants to move some of these stones to make a larger place. Because stone is quite, um, it's not very flexible. Okay, if you put a stone building up, uh, it's not very easy to enlarge it unless you knock it down. Uh, I feel like God wants to say, okay, I want to adjust some of the pillars and bring some enlargement. And are you up for that? 
when, when enlargement happens, it can be a bit unsettling. You think, oh, it used to look like this, but oh no, now it looks, oh, what does it look like? Because we're in this um, progression of, of change. And I feel like God wants to enlarge some of the pillars um, for the work he's got you to do. For, the, for all that he's unfolding, it, it needs a bigger structure. And uh, <clears throat> it's the same stones, so it's the same stones and value, but a bigger uh, big, and something that's larger. So I believe God wants to stir you. <coughs> Excuse me. God wants to stir you. And uh, I, I feel like I want to awaken leadership and ambition in your hearts. I want to stir you. Whatever you feel called to, maybe you've laid some things that actually God wants to raise up. God wants to breathe fresh life in you. But also maybe you're in leadership. And, okay, it's just I'm ticking along looking to God but maybe thank you so much maybe God wants to bring a refreshment here maybe God wants to bring an adjustment I'm reminded of Acts 6 you know where there's a whole new project comes into the Jerusalem church of feeding widows not just a few but hundreds and for that they suddenly found themselves oh we haven't got the right structure the apostles are really busy they're praying preparing the word and they can't, half of the widows are not getting fed so they think, we need a new structure to facilitate this. And so they, they say, okay, church, you choose men among yourselves who are full of the Spirit. And, and they do. And uh, some great people and the widows are fed and the work of the church uh, just enlarges. They weren't just w- widow feeders, like a bit of pastoral care, and a bit of social action. Actually, Philip, uh, he becomes a martyr. He's preaching the gospel. Um, uh, no, sorry, Stephen was the martyr. Philip was the evangelist. So two of those become... And they're mentioned in the following pages. So actually, God wants to call and raise up. Maybe, maybe in your leadership, maybe ambition to take a step forward. Maybe actually to, to, to sense uh, enlargement. Um, so things are well organised, but things are going to change. Things are, are because of this expansion. And I just sense uh, that there were, I could see like that you were known for feeding and, um, <clears throat> uh, where was it? Uh, you're known by coming to a shop. Do you have a shop or cafe or something like that? We, just, we do a jigsaw cafe. Okay, so I, 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 you were known for that shop and cafe. Who's, who's involved with the shop, the cafe, the jigsaw? Just two? Others? Three? I felt like God wants to in, enlarge your vision and enlarge your brief for that. And uh, I guess praying it through with, with, with others around you. Because I feel like he wants more space for the tables for more people uh, to be fed. Like new table settings. And I can see like a room being painted and it looked really messy to start with. But actually it became, it became a place of salvation. It became a place, and I see, like the ark, Noah's ark, became a place of salvation. Um, that that this cafe uh, would become a place of salvation, but it, sometimes it needs like a, a recoat. Um, but also, um, I felt like God wants to uh, just breathe, uh, breathe you as a church out, and uh, so I'll talk about that in a minute. Do you ever have too many thoughts in your head? You don't know which order to put them in. Maybe, maybe you don't. Um, 
I want to bounce or quickly look through a story that happened to Jesus and his disciples. In, it's in Matthew 14. So if you've got a phone, a, a pad or something, uh, you'll find it there. Matthew 14. This is like Jesus and there's water and there's a boat. And I think oh, there seems to be a deadly combination. <laughs> Every time you see there's disciples, Jesus, water, boats, um, think, oh golly, what's going to happen uh, now? So there's a storm one time and they think they're going to die and... Jesus is asleep. and So there's another time where Jesus sends his disciples ahead across the lake. He's praying and uh, they are rowing. It's, if you read through the go- different gospel accounts, they're rowing all night. So I think tired, grumpy fishermen. They haven't slept. It's been a busy day the day before, feeding of the 5,000. And they're rowing and not getting anywhere. Matthew, the tax collector, thinks, my hands weren't made for oars. You know, I'm used to writing or whatever. Um, Peter's saying, come on, guys, pull harder. Um, and they're just not getting anywhere. And I, I sense that God's uh, speaking for as a church. Sometimes, um, what does success look like? Sometimes we can miss what success looks like. Uh, what does it look like uh, for you? Um, what does success look like for a church in the peak? And sometimes we can think, okay, well, it looks like this. And the disciples say, okay, it's going to, following Jesus, it's going to be look like this. And so they're rowing all night. And sometimes success seems to take an age in coming. Sometimes it seems to not be working out as quick as you thought. Sometimes it feels like blooming hard work. And isn't following Jesus just meant to be a lot easier? Uh, the disciples found it was hard work. Um, they start to get tired and they start to feel fearful because the wind gets up. And uh, it's just, for them, they had a, an inbuilt mistrust of the Lake Galilee. It, it was just bred in them as a culture. It's a big, dark, dangerous place. Uh, it was uncharted waters. The waves start coming in. They start to think, oh no, here we go. And Jesus isn't in the boat this time. Now he's back, uh, as far as I remember, on the hillside praying. They're alarmed. The water's coming in. They think, now where's Jesus? So maybe they tried, I don't know, did they try that thing that Jesus did? And I, I, we don't know. The next thing, um, they see this ghost walking across the water. Or they think it's a ghost. Somebody starts to walk across the water. Uh, they didn't expect Jesus to look like that, this person walking. They are, all the Gospels say that use the word terrified. What does success look like now? They've gone from like, we're going to get to the other side. This is hard work to, ah, we're going to die. There's a ghost. It just plugs into their fears about this big dark place. And this person walking out to them. Um, gosh, what do they need? Uh, what, what, what do they need? So maybe you're in that place as an individual. Maybe you think, I can't see Jesus. All I can see, you know, if it's like a ghost, where is he? I'm not even sure that's him. What's going on? And uh, as, as a church, sometimes we go through changes and challenges. Sometimes we can think, where's God? It just looks all so fragile. <clears throat> you know, actually, we need courage. And we want to leave a deposit of courage. I want to pray for it at the end for courage to be released. I want to put in courage, encourage. And prophecy does that. We arm ourselves with prophecy. Paul writes to Timothy. Uh, and he says, Timothy, remember the prophecies once made about you so that by then you might fight the, the fight of faith. Prophecies 
are so important. They help us. And so I think get them out. Whether it's as individuals, as leaders, God's called you as a church. Get them out. What has God said? I feel like he wants you to dig into those, as I say, to remind yourself, give you strength for what's, what's coming. They needed courage. So Jesus, I don't know, why did Jesus come that way? It didn't seem very fair, like he's like just coming alongside. He could have just like come into the boat and said, it's all right, guys, it's me. But he lets them, they go through this, this period of fear. I don't know, two minutes, five minutes, screaming, it's a ghost, we're going to die. Sometimes Jesus seems to take such a long time to make it clear. And, uh, and at those times we need to just trust. Because he says, take courage, it's I, I am. Now in those moments where you're not sure, it's okay, I take courage, God you are, and then we remind ourselves, we say, this is who God is, remind ourselves of these prophecies. You know, fear is such a, uh, it's so quick to derail us. They, if they could, I'm sure they would have jumped out the boat the other side, and, uh, but they were, they were uh, out in the deep water. But Jesus says, it's I. And I'd just like to ask, is fear something that might be holding you back right at this moment. Is fear about who Jesus is, or what he's asking you to do? Is fear about where is God in all of this? Something that's quite a, a powerful uh, grip on your heart at the minute. Fear of what others think, fear of what I think, fear of can I cope? The disciples were feeling this. So I'd like you to just ask the Holy Spirit, because I find he will talk to us. So Holy Spirit, will you show me if there's any fear in my life why don't we do that right now and uh, we just listen take a few seconds to listen so Holy Spirit will you show me in your love and kindness if there's any fear in my life so I encourage you to do that Holy Spirit show me if there's any fear in my life And then it may be a face, a name, a situation, maybe a feeling, an event that's to come or has been. If that's the case, just, okay, God, I give you that person. They just bring fear into me, the way they speak. My boss. I feel fear about this. antidote to fear is now Jesus would you show me you show me who you are in this show me who you are the courage is to see who Jesus is when they Jesus said it's I I am oh they thought thank goodness for that Jesus is here, everything will be all right. <laughs> we love Jesus' presence. I just thank him right now, Lord, for your presence. Just sense God's peace. If you need to, just reach up for his peace. Actually, I've got something happening this week. I'm concerned, anxious, but just, okay, Lord, I receive your peace and I give you my anxiety.
what's going to happen about even as leaders we can okay God I just give you that concern or it's moved from concern to anxiety concern can be good anxiety takes us into worry and like okay Lord even as leaders we give you what we're concerned about what we're anxious about but this presence of God, this Jesus near the boat, didn't stop there. It stirred something. I think, oh no, Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come. All the rest of the disciples are thinking, what's, what's going on? What's Peter, just shush. And, uh, but Peter suddenly is, okay, if that's you, God, I want to do more than be in this boat. I want to be where you are. And I feel like God's calling as a church to some adventurous steps. As far as I know, no one ever in the rest of the Bible has walked on water. They walk through dry land that God has cleared, like crossing the river. But I can't, I'm not aware of any account where anybody walked on the water. But Peter says, I want to do that because that's where you are. And maybe God's going to call this church, call some of you to adventurous faith. And people think, oh, we've never done that before. Peter thought, if it's you, tell me to come. And if it's you is really the important question. We don't just like just jump out the boat. But okay, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. And we pray and weigh it. But sometimes it's, okay, we're going to do something that's we've never done before. Sometimes Christians say, well, is it in the book? Is it in the book? Well, actually, walking on water isn't in the book. So we could say, well, Jesus, that's not good theology. There's no other account in the Bible of walking on water. Can we trust that? Actually, sometimes the Spirit calls us and we have to trust him for new ways, new ways of working. So Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come. Suddenly now, success and courage is in Peter's heart. Like, okay, I'm get, I mean, how far away was Jesus? We don't know. We assume he wasn't like right next to the boat. Actually, Jesus says, okay, come. You know, hearing the voice of Jesus is such a key part of being a follower of him. Reading his word and letting it wash in us. Hearing his prophetic word, recalling them. You know, I haven't had God speak to me recently. So we'll get out the stuff he has said. Spend some time listening. Turn the other stuff off and just say, okay, God, here I am. What do you want to say? Get together with some other people. And wait, I think God's saying this, and wow, what a sense of life that can, can bubble up. And I might, I've got a question. When Jesus says, come, who did he say come to? Who else? Could anyone else have got out the boat? So Peter says, if it's you, say come. Jesus says, come. He doesn't say come, Peter. He says, come. So if Matthew started to get out the boat, Jesus said, whoa, 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 I only meant Peter. Don't be so eager. Or maybe James starts, okay, I'm going to go. Okay, maybe Judas is, yeah, I'm ready for action. And Jesus says, no, 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 just calm me. I just want one. I can only do one at a time. What if Jesus' invitation was for any of them? Come. What if the invitation that God brings different ones of us is uh, our invitation? So often we think, oh, it's just them. I I couldn't do that. That doesn't work for me. I don't hear God like that. What if their invitation was also your invitation? 
What if their breakthrough was also, okay, God, you've answered that prayer for them. Would you do the same for me? That's why it's so great to share testimonies of what God does. Because, okay, God, you've done it. And it's not like God says, okay, they deserve it. You don't. I see, nobody deserves it. So if God has done it, what, God, you can do it again then. Maybe God's invitation for stepping out is not just for that person along there, or along the road, but, but what if it's for you too? We're so quick to, to dis, distance ourselves. But what if Jesus said, come, and it was for you too? And it's when it gets a bit scared. I like it when other people get caught. But what if God called you? It's great to pray for Phil and the other leaders and different towns. What if God called you to move? What if God called you to say, okay, leaders, is there some way we could serve you in this community? Wow. What if an opportunity to serve was an invite to you as well, not just for the leaders? Uh, I wonder if each of them felt a nudge, but that's just me. I mean, Peter's asked, that was for Peter, and I wonder if any of them also felt, can I do that? No, no, no. Friends, only one of them (laughs) went home with an amazing story. Okay, he nearly drowned, because he started to look, he gets out, he's walking toward Jesus, and suddenly his mind's full of all the stuff, and thinking of his, of the surface tension, gravity, body mass, okay, I'm on water, and he was fine for a while, but then he but he's, Jesus save me. Jesus reaches out his hand. That's the great thing. When we step out, we follow him. We think, okay, I sense you've said this. Jesus reaches out his hand. He didn't. Tough, Peter, you're on your own. <laughs> he said, come on. Jesus reaches out his hand to the outcast. Maybe you're here and you think, I feel like a, I'm on the edge. I'm a visitor. I'm, I feel an outcast. I've, I've messed up. And Jesus met those sort of people too, other places. People with leprosy who were like outcasts of town and you rang a bell and you kept well away and you just went around declaring, I'm an outcast, basically. Jesus touches them. Dead people who were like a pariah in a Jewish society, Jesus touches them. Drowning people, I'm going to die, Peter says. Jesus reaches out his hand. He loves to reach his hand out to you and I. Why don't you ask him, Jesus, would you reach your hand? Break the lie that says he won't reach his hand out to me. I felt God highlighting some different things that um, of invitation for you to come as a church. I felt like God was wanting to draw you in prayer. I felt like God saying there's there's a presence to be released like a liquid honey as you come and gather in prayer. I felt, will you prioritise prayer? Uh, as leaders, you okay, what does that mean? Is that, is that all together in groups? Uh, I just sense God wants you to gather together in, um, in focused prayer and be asking for a breakthrough. And almost that the prayer, sometimes we fit prayer around what we do, but almost maybe prayer will be the thing we do and other things for a season. I guess weigh that and uh, chew it over as, as leaders. But I felt prayer was really uh, crucial. Um, I've already mentioned, I felt that God was saying, take a fresh look at leadership structure. And God was going to bring a, an enlargement and refreshment and restructure for growth. Uh, 
Not because things are wrong, because he wants to expand the garden. He wants to expand the house. That's exciting. 